whatever creativity is coming out of me, whether it's a new company venture or a painting or a book or anything, and I have a lot of creative projects I do, I too have to battle with that sense of, is this really wanted? And is this, is this just wasting my time? I think we're all haunted by that. Not only do you get to expect to create, but you get to expect that it is not only needed and wanted, there's a space for you that only you can fill in this world. It might hit one person, it might have a ripple effect, it might hit thousands, we never know. We never know. But that's the faith that I try and reach for in those days when I go, is anybody listening to me? Am I wasting my voice, my time? I had zero book sales this week. Is this even a book worth writing? You know, these are all questions I'm haunted with. To be able to say, it gets to be whatever it is, and I am not focusing on the numbers, but I get to just keep living in that true belief that who I am and how I'm made is, is desperately needed. So as I continue to grow who I am and become more and more self-aware of my potential, I get to trust this not just serving me and me being more fulfilled and happy, I get to trust that it, it's going to be a ripple effect that's going to serve the world because I truly believe we're all connected. Hi there. I am so happy that you are making the time to tune into this podcast today. Now, there's so much content out there in the world that you could be choosing to consume. And choosing something that is intended to speak to and call out the deepest, truest part of yourself is kind of brave. And I feel like it's one of the most important acts of bravery that you could make. As you probably know, I believe with every fiber in my being that coming into relationship with this small but mighty voice inside of ourselves is the thing that will stop humanity from glitching. I'm really glad you're here because we really, really, really need you and what you have to offer. And if you think I'm talking to somebody else, I'm not. I'm talking to you. I'm really, really happy that you're here. Welcome. And I hope you enjoy this amazing conversation today. It's with Dr. Heather Penny. I love talking to people who are smart, right? There's something really wonderful about talking to somebody who's smart. And I know I'm smart, but I'm smart in a kind of different kind of way. I'm intuitively intelligent smart. And Dr. Heather Penny is that, but she's also academic smart. And she has one of those incredible minds that's able to hold facts and statistics and patterns and big picture. And what I love about her and what I think sets her part from other people who might be doing work similar to her, leadership coaching and personal coaching, is that she comes at all her work with this beautiful marriage of that academic knowledge and it's really rooted in spiritual intelligence. And we'll talk a little bit more about what spiritual intelligence means. Heather, in her academic career, found herself studying this phenomenon of women and how they were spiraling downwards. We are culturally conditioned to kind of put ourselves last and what the implications are of that on society as a whole. We have an amazing conversation about why we do that, why we try to mute out or shove down this soft, quiet voice when it's trying to speak to us. But rather than continuing to study that downward spiral, Heather had this sort of light bulb moment that she realized what she really wanted to do was orient her entire life and put her energy 
into helping us spiral up instead of studying why we were spiraling down, which I think is a really wise perspective. Heather's work now is about helping people partner with their own creativity to be able to live the life they were meant for. If you've ever found yourself doubting your self-worth or wondering if the world actually needs what you have inside or would care about what you have inside, this episode is an absolute must listen. She's one of those people that has this rare ability to kind of get in past our defenses and resonate with the part of ourselves that really needs to hear it and come alive. And that is powerful and it's a gift. And I feel so grateful that Heather gave that to us today. Before we get any deeper into this episode with Heather, I just wanted to say for those of you that tuned in to the last episode with Martha Ann Toll and heard a weird track that was just me talking and sounded a little bit glitchy, please, please forgive me. In true Friday the 13th fashion, we had uploaded the wrong file to the podcast platform and uh, I think it was up for about an hour or so before we realized and we fixed it right away. But if you started that and got frustrated and abandoned it, go back because that episode with Martha is wonderful. She's an author and book critic for NPR. She has a huge extensive resume. She's really, really an accomplished woman. And she has an extensive wealth of experience writing and working in social justice. She's always known she was a novel writer, but for 20 years, she faced rejection after rejection after rejection. But she stuck with it and she tells us how she did that and the gifts she learned from all the rejection and how now, on the other side of that, what it feels like to be celebrating the first anniversary of her novel, which was shortlisted for a Gotham Award. Her second novel's on the way, and she's already working on her third. It can feel like a desert of pain when you're dealing with rejection for, after rejection for that long, and you start to question your dreams. Am I crazy? Why am I doing this? The world doesn't seem to really want this. How she dealt with those voices, and, and now what it's like on the other side looking back. It is a wonderful listen. Go back and, and listen to that one. It's not one to be missed. What I love about our guest today, Heather Penny, is how passionate she is about normalizing this conversation about spirit. You know, how's your spirit doing? That's not a question we ask each other. But if we did ask each other, we would know what we meant. Like we all, we might have a different word for it. God or universal intelligence or soul or gut or inner, inner child, whatever we call it. We all know kind of what we're pointing to when we would ask that question, but it's not talked about. We don't ask each other that. We're not even really taught how to ask that of ourselves. And part of Heather's work is about normalizing this conversation about that soft, quiet wisdom inside of you feels like and is doing right now. You know, we hear, do the thing you love and everything else will fall into place. Well, what happens when the thing you love doesn't really seem like it will make logical sense on paper from a career perspective, or maybe it's weird or new or different, and you doubt whether or not the world would want it? We talk about that. And Heather has so much to say about that that I think is going to really reach in and possibly flip the whole script of how you look at your own creative offering. And while Heather and I come from different angles, her more from an academic and coaching leadership angle, our life's work and dedication is to help as many people as we can find that part of ourselves. On that note, I want to remind you that I'm holding the monthly workshop, Activating Your Intuition and Creativity. This workshop is designed to help you in a really practical, tangible, connected way access this soft, quiet voice inside of you that has all of the answers 
for all of the things that you're wondering about, the directions that you might need. It is activating your inner GPS system, waking it up and doing it in a really beautiful, colorful, nurturing, soulful environment. I really would love to see you there. And people who've been coming to them have been loving them and giving me really beautiful feedback, which you can read if you go read the reviews on the website. But the most important sign for me that this is something that's so needed is that they're signing up to do them again. So if you haven't signed up to do that workshop, it happens once a month in the lead up to the full moon. Everything you need to know is on katesheppardcreative.com. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. So you can head over there and find out when the next one is and sign up for it. And if you are a Creative Genius patron, these workshops, along with everything else, bonus episodes, meditations, worksheets, journal prompts, all kinds of really beautiful goodies. These workshops are included with all of those things at the colorful community level. Find out more about that on patreon.com slash the creative genius podcast. A lot of us have deeply embedded limiting beliefs that are formed as a result of childhood or other trauma. And these can really impact our ability to create the life that we feel or intuit might be available to us. It can feel a lot like being stuck in a maze sometimes. Through my work with Activating Intuition and Creativity Workshops, this podcast and the writing I'm doing, I'm trying to help people come back into contact with that soft, quiet voice that helps us navigate to the life of our dreams, the life we were meant to live. Heather and I talk about unhooking from the paradigm of fear and the rational mind that runs the show in our current society, and instead how to tap into spirit, creativity, and intuition to live the lives that we were meant for. This is a beautiful conversation. As I was listening to it, the image I had was of being on a great big adventure without a map, feeling your way around and stumbling upon a little hut where there was water, blankets for resting, and maybe even an old wise soul to give you clues for the next leg of your journey. It really is how this episode feels to me. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Heather Penny. Heather, it's really lovely to meet you. Thank you for joining me. You too, Kate. Thanks for having me. One of my favorite things about this job is that I get to meet the most incredible people from all over the place doing really powerful work. When I was preparing for this interview, I was kind of blown away by some of the stuff that you're doing and the way that you approach things. And so for the listener who doesn't know who you are yet, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your work and where you're coming from and what's driving you to do the work that you're doing in the world. I started out as a teacher, well, third graders. So I always like to say that because my mindset is really on how people learn and grow. And it's our little kids, you know, our little, our little teachers that I got to learn from. As I moved forward in my career, I was in it for about 15, 20 years, give or take, as you look at working at university level, getting my master's in leadership education and stepping into that space of training teachers. I just kept learning what it meant for human beings to learn and grow. And I loved that. What I began to do is this shift in my life, and it was midlife shift, you know, what we call midlife crisis, and I try and call it midlife opportunities, to stop and really ask myself, what is it that I'm about? I started realizing I'm made for more. I'm just not sure what that is. So I started interviewing all these different spaces and places, and it's places that I should have liked. You know, I was really into nonprofits and education and kids and at-risk communities. These were all my heartbeat of probably my desire to save the world or think I'm saving the world. And to step in that space and realize it was not cutting it for me and starting to feel that, what's wrong with me? So that's a terrible question to be asking because when I start asking what's wrong with me, it's a shame-based question. 
course, I'm saying this all looking back, but in the heat of that moment, I'm like, all I can figure out is what's wrong with me. So I keep interviewing and walking away going, I should like this job and I'm afraid they're going to offer it to me, which is not the way you want to step in, which is telling me there's a significant shift happening in my life. I just didn't know how to orient. I'd never heard of coaching. I went to a coaching class. The instructor was phenomenal. I went up to him and I said, hey, can I hire you as my own coach? And we worked together for over a year. And it was during that time where he was like, what do you think about coaching? And I never even thought about that. And when I started realizing the path that he'd helped me get through, helping me access my own clarity, my own confidence and my courage, I began to realize that's what I want to offer other people. So I said yes, but of course my biggest fear is, will anyone hire me? Do I have anything good to say? During that time, I went back and got my PhD thinking, you know, education was always like, well, if you're not sure, go get more education was kind of my thinking. So I went back and I focused on uh, human services and public service leadership. And what I was focusing on, my dissertation, I realized I want to start looking at this, what they were calling a social phenomenon of women spiraling down, particularly in the ages of 18 to 25. And sociologists were saying, we don't know what's happening. It's just a significant drop. Being a a mother of a daughter who was, I think, turning 15 at the time, my alarm bells were on. As an educator, I was seeing a significant gap. We were losing our females and they were younger and younger. I had too many questions and I realized I don't want to study the spiraling down anymore. There's tons of literature out there on it and we need it. Thank goodness we have it out there. Depression, anxiety, and everything else. But I wanted to start studying what would make a spiral. So my Mm. dissertation focus began to be on I'm going to go interview women in the age group of 30 to 50 years old. So it's kind of where I was at. And I had a little bit more clarity on my 18 to 20 something year olds, which I struggled with depression and anxiety and nobody could tell me why. And I didn't know why. I just somehow white knuckled through and got through it. But I think we can do better. So Mm. when I started doing that research, that's where a ton of information came out what we can do to spiral up. And that's when I knew this is what I want my life to be about. And so my coaching, that's the heartbeat of my coaching. And it's really a lot of my own personal life experiences. And then out of a love for my own daughter, what happened in, I've been in the field for at least 15 years, opened my own coaching company. It was very successful and I'm still very successful today. And I don't say that with arrogance. I say that with kind of wonderment sometimes, but also a a huge relief that I think I'm doing what I'm made to do. You know, when you're successful with something, it's because you're doing what you're made to do. So that's why I then wrote the book, The Life You're Made For, because I believe everybody has a life they're made for. And then what I began to realize is my research was not just gender specific. It was for all humanity. It started out with women. It's now across the board. I work with both men and women. I've created an allegory around it. I've created a style of coaching where I come alongside people and said, You may not know this yet, but you have your own clarity within you, your own confidence within you, and your own courage within you. I want to help you access it so that you can begin the spiraling up. And one day you won't need me. You will learn the resilient kind of attributes and practices and skill sets that you need that when, not if, when you start spiraling down, you know how to stop it. But we're not going to just plateau. We're going to stop the spiraling down. And then I'm going to give you practices and coach you along with that to begin what it looks like to spiral up. And this is what I think is really missing in this conversation. Our world is 
we have a tremendous amount of conversations around the negativity of that, which again, I want to say mm-hmm. with respect and value to all the researchers out there that have really taken the time to s- assess this. I want to join the conversation and build on what they've offered us in our society and say, all right, folks, let's talk, start talking about everything we know about this. And we do have an issue. What can we start doing to spiral? And so that's when I wrote my book. I wanted people to feel like they had a coach in their corner to really assess. Um, there's six chapters on clarity, six chapters on confidence, and six chapters on courage for people to feel like they can figure out how to access those spaces within them. And it's meant to be like a journey you take with me. I have an e-course with it. I have a coaching companion on And I apologize. It's a huge, long answer to your question. That's kind of where I started, where I ended up. And I had no idea it was going to take me. I just knew that I was dealing with a, a passion for a significant issue that we have in our society right now. I feel like everything you just said is why I felt like it was such a yes to have you on the show and have this conversation. Like, I feel like there's so much alignment between, I'm saying... Sure. Humanity's glitching yeah. because we've become disconnected from creativity. And I, when I say the word creativity, I'm referring to that ineffable intelligence that's animating the entire universe. Yeah. You know, your, your gut feeling, your inner knowing, yeah. your inspiration, your desires, your, the, all the things yeah. that make inner you inner wisdoms, the mm-hmm. inner wisdom. Yeah. And also the molecules that are vibrating together in the desk that I'm sitting at, yes. holding, you know, yes. telling them to stay a table. Like I get the shivers every time I say that because it's all connected. Mm-hmm. It's all, you know, but we've, we've disconnected ourselves from our, I mean, and if you look at that as our operating system, we've kind of gone over here and said, well, no, I have to be, I have to look like this. I have to sound like this. My life needs to be this shape. I need to marry this kind of person. My relationship needs to fall into this kind of, shape and category. And of course, we have to have systems mm-hmm. to operate. Otherwise, it, it is chaos. Sure. But we've, we've gone so far down that road of the rational mind running the show that we've literally forgotten how to reference this mm-hmm. inner self, like, ocean of... And, I'm, and I mm-hmm. fall prey to it too. I often think I'm made for more, but I'm not sure what. Yeah. That, that was very familiar mm-hmm. to me. How do you help people who have that feeling, because I think a lot of us have that feeling, I made for more, but I don't know what it is. And then there's a whole other category of people who have the feeling, but couldn't articulate it Mm -hmm. into, I made for more, they're just sort of depressed. So for the person, and I guess I want to speak to both of them, but for the person who can articulate, I made for more, but I don't know what, how do they begin to find that? Like, how did yeah. you do that? Yeah. Okay. So just help me keep track of those two populations because I have so many thoughts. I want to talk to both and I'm afraid I'll forget the second one. For me, keep in mind that I was probably in my forties. So I have a little bit of life experience under me. I would say I had two significant kind of disorienting moments in my life. One was in my twenties, which the research was showing that a lot of women were struggling with this disorientation of identity. Then the other one was in my midlife, my 40s. Part of it had to do with I chose to get married and I chose to have two beautiful kids and I chose to start weaving my life and career around those commitments that I valued. So I didn't get to take a straight course on my career. I had plans. Kate, I had plans. 
But when we choose these other things, and I wanted both, and I think that's the scary myth. I think there's, it's both true and false that you can have your cake and eat it too. Part of me having what I wanted, which was a family life and my career, necessitated me getting more creative about it. And one of the things I started realizing is, and I'll speak to the really that identity shift in my 40s, going, okay, I've lived long enough now to realize what I'm not good at and what I am good at. So let's start, this is me talking to myself, let's start telling people when you're interviewing, yeah, that's a good fit for me. No, that's not a good fit for me. And we talk so much about finding our voice in this world. And I think I had that good girl syndrome of, what do you want me to do? Let me tap dance for you. Ta-da, 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 ta-da. I can do a lot of things. And that's how we survive. And we thrive to a measure for a while because we need the experience. There's a shift that happens in our midlife where you're like, I'm done tap dancing. I don't want to sit there and give the finger to the world because I don't want to be an angry person either. But there's a little bit of anger that starts rising up because like, I've had it, man. But I've seen so many women get stuck in that space where I go, okay, that's a little alarming. So use the anger for a small point. And this I'll say this to the listeners. Don't be afraid of it. Use it for a little bit to reorient and then say, I want to still move in with love and light and compassion and truth and Mm -hmm. transparency and authenticity. That just means that I get to use my voice in a cleaner, clearer way. So as I started really making that commitment, this is what I call my true belief. My false belief is I can't speak up. My true belief is I need to speak up and I need to be really clear of what I like and I don't like. And then I need to let the full weight of my truth and who I am fall. And I need to let people deal with it. That can be the last piece that can be very hard. People are going to be disappointed when I say no. I was told even recently, I don't think you're a fit. I'm telling you, I was like, what? I could feel myself go to sales mode. What do you mean I'm not a fit? Let me, let me start tap dancing. I can feel myself going, Head, you do not need to be a fit for everyone. So I'm already, I recognize it. And I think that's the piece where I want to say, in my early 20s, you're just kind of overwhelmed and ambushed by a lot of emotions that you're not sure why you're having them. In your 40s, I want to say, we have a little bit more life experience. And then as, as my coaching, this is more my coaching speaking, is I begin to start defining what that is. So this kind of goes to your second population. I think I remember what you said, Kate, where the second population, if you don't know yet, there's flags of you're overworking, overbuying, yeah. overdrinking. Oh, and I say all this with some, all my fingers pointing back, overeating, over, 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 overworking, all these addictions we might turn to or even good stuff like working. We tell ourselves, well, at least I'm not getting high every night. You know, I'm like, okay, my tendencies are overworking and overeating. Know that these are your flags. So clearly you're trying to avoid something. What the world is telling us now is you're feeling bad. You know what? There's something wrong with you. Here's a pill. And I want to say this really carefully because, man, I so love our science community and I so value the gifts of antidepressants and the things that anti-anxiety meds that they've given us. So I'm not saying never. I'm saying there is an other option. And even if you're on mm-hmm. meds, I'm like, take the meds. Man, I will sit there and I will be your biggest advocate for that and ask better questions. Like, what might I be good at? Instead of what's wrong with me, what's right with me? What is it that I want to do more of and that I've learned about myself that I am no longer willing to participate in? And what is it that gives me life and gives me joy? 
for the person who's sitting here listening to us and thinking, okay, I could ask myself that question. And I have dipped my toe into asking myself that question before. And the things that I love and I'm good at are not a thing that will pay for my kid to go to college or the mortgage this month or even groceries yeah. these days. Like, I guess I, I feel. Yeah, it's not rainbows. I, I mean, and I think you, it's not. Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel like you and I share this very strong belief. I think that's the cornerstone of both of our work in our, mm-hmm. in our own way that, that we, that each person contains within them a unique essence that's them, that is a, that is very needed by the world, that is put in them to make a difference in the world, each person. And some of, some of them are like really obvious, like, oh, look, I became a science researcher and I came up with the cure for like, you know, mm-hmm. and they're passionate about research and science. And it's obvious from them when they're, or, or the kid that's just really great at music from the time that they're little, they're writing symphonies and they're that it's, it, most of the time, it's not so obvious. And we, we go mm-hmm. through this um, dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. the spiraling down, you know, in our, in our 20s, where we sh- are trying to shove down what that essence is because we can't see how it fits in the outer world. Mm-hmm. Because the outer world, let's face it, the current outer world that we've co-created mm-hmm. isn't designed by creativity or, or mm-hmm. in, inner intelligence. It's designed by the rational mind. Mm-hmm. And it's not designed to, to listen to intuition and to follow your heart. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain amount of like unhooking from that paradigm mm-hmm. to then learn to trust. That's really hard. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm beating you to the question, but I think, I think I know what you're asking. We have to hold this tension of we have responsibilities and we can't stop dreaming but we can't live out of the whole dreams and we can't live 100% of the responsibilities. And I would say that we just captured the tension of adulthood. It's not either or. It's living in the responsibility and it's living in, I still get to dream. I was always a real career person. I remember teaching full faculty at a university. Okay, for me, that was a prestigious place in my career path to get to. For me to choose to resign and stay home with my, I think, uh, five-year-old and seven-year-old at the time. I just saw that they needed me. And I also felt like I was getting less and less interested in work. It wasn't like I was like, oh, huge sacrifice. I'm going to leave work. Mm. Everything was starting to come together. I, my mind wasn't on work anymore. It was on my kids. They looked like they were having a ball. And then I realized this is my only chance to be with them. And they only have one mother. You know, again, this is not a conversation on if you should stay home or work or anything like that. It was just what felt right for me in that moment. And I think one of the questions I ask people as they're just trying to take that one baby step, I want to say, what's your best option today? Not five mm-hmm. years from now, not the, the, uh, the ideal option that's going to set you up for your career. So as I pulled back, I started doing that and I was really probably completely embedded in them for probably five, six years. I teach a little bit here on the side, but I didn't take anything full time with that. Then when I began to realize is we needed more income and we were, we're living in Northern California and prices were everything were going up for everything. The kids needed more. And so I just said, what's my best option now to return to full-time faculty was not the best fit for me or my family. It also wouldn't pay the amount of money that I thought it would pay. So I'm asking practical questions of what's the amount of revenue I need to bring in and what's going to best serve my quality of life. 
My kids were at the age where they needed to learn piano. I, I play piano. A lot of other kids in the neighborhood wanted to start to learn piano. And I'm like, all right, I'll start teaching piano lessons. That ended up just hugely growing, but I was really protective of, I only do it Mondays and Wednesdays after school. My kids are joining me. I probably had, I don't know, 30, 40 students at the time. We'd pull my piano out in the backyard. We'd have these huge recitals. That was not my career path plan. You know what I'm saying? But it was my best option. And there were days where I'm like, I can't believe I'm teaching piano to this little third grader over here when my colleagues over here are doing these theses, theses and dissertations and they they look so brilliant and accomplished. And I'm like over here going, okay, everybody, here's middle C, you know. But I also realized I owned that and said, it's not forever. It, it's my choice that I'm doing now. And it's it fits all those boxes. It brought in twice the amount of money of my faculty position, if you can believe it, because teaching just doesn't pay a whole lot. And it was less time and I was able to do full control over it. And I learned a ton about entrepreneurial skills. At the time, I didn't know that I was going to be owning my own coaching company one day, but that's what it was preparing me for. And I got to have a blast with my kids and their friends. So I thought, well, I'll just do a couple of PL lessons. That was my best option then. It ended up being like a five, six year journey where I had a huge piano business and loved it. And then as soon as my kids phased out, I'm like, okay, Ray, I'm done. I mean, and I'm so sorry, neighborhoods, if you're watching or listening, I just said, and I'm done DG piano. Like, and that's it. And then that's when I went back and I thought, well, what's my best option now? I want more education. I want to get my PhD. I want to study what I want to study on. I want to hire a coach. I want to start looking at working again. I want to revisit my career. And this is where the challenge is. Sometimes when you take that circuitous route, when you go return to your career, it's not what you want anymore. You've changed too much. I changed too much. I was like, the faculty academia world might as well be corporate America for me. It's, it was not an inspiring place to be of growth and development. It was a lot of politics. It was a lot of intensity and it didn't pay a whole lot. And there's a pressure to research all these different pressures. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's me. I think some people really buy into it and love it and it invigorates them. For me, it was making me begin to spiral down. Then I started looking at like nonprofits and stuff that made my heart beat. And I go, I don't think I can ever return to this office nine to five anymore. Like, what I did spoiled me for life over here. So then I began to realize, oh, I think I'm made to do my own company and I think I can do it out of my own home and I think I can make this work and I think I can build the revenue I needed. And during that time, being able to say, and I get to trust that it will come. So my mindset, this is where we can get sucked into, I can't go get a doctorate. I don't, I don't have the money for it. I don't have the time for any of that. Those are the false beliefs that hold me back. But I'm like, no, I, I get to start exploring what's next for me. And this is my next best option. That's it. My next best option in front of me. Then the day after that, there'll be another one. Or the year after that, there'll be another one. I think our mistake is we try and look too far out. And I had no idea what I was going to research. I had no idea I was going to be a coach. I had no idea that I was going to work with private coaching and personal coaching and work all over the world and work with corporate America. I had no clue. There's no way I could have written a five-year vision plan, which is why I kind of have a love-hate for those vision plans because I go, if you're living off more of intuition and you're trying to say, what's the best option for me today? Okay, now what's the best option for me tomorrow? If you're living at more of that space and you're trying to recreate and reinvent yourself, a five-year plan is outdated within a week. It's, 
especially for those of us who are creatives, because we are learning and growing so much. And so I would say, I think there's an exploratory period where you get to enjoy, I call it the buffet line. You just go and you just start putting stuff on your plate and then you realize, I do like cream spinach. I don't like sweet potatoes. I do like, you know, roast beef. You start realizing what you like and what you don't like. Then you're able to take that. And then I would say, then you're ready for a five-year plan. But to giving yourself that permission to just explore for a little bit. And that's what my doctorate did for me. It allowed me to explore and return to my academia roots without returning to the agenda that academia had for me. And that was important for me to redeem that. I didn't just throw everything out. And in my research, I had studied that when we move into the right side of the brain, that's when we get more clarity. So I started doing more painting and drawing in my 20s, mainly because a therapist told me, here's what you can do to start finding the words that you don't have to express what's inside of you. I began to paint, paint, paint. And this is the painting that I hold, I hang in every office that I have throughout the last, gosh, 30 years now. And it's showing me that I, of, of a, of a, um, very loving, caring being that is protecting me and watching me and leading me and guiding me because I'm a person of faith. I believe in a higher power, which I call God. So I'm partnering with this creative force out there that I believe loves me and has a creativity that is embedded in me. So therefore, I get to take my place rightfully in this world that says, I have the right to co-create. And when we live with that true belief of I get the right to co-create, and the only reason I say co-create is because I believe there's a force that's creating with us that we're not on our own. So we get to join that force, whatever you call it, if it's love or light or universe or source, you know, that's irrelevant to me. The point is, is that you're not alone. There's something that gets to pull something out of you or your inner wisdom or your true self. These are all phrases that I love because I just feel like once I began to trust that I had something to offer to this world and I got to have it pulled out in me, it began to give me the permission I needed to begin the exploration. This episode of Creative Genius is brought to you by Morning Moon Nature Jewelry. Instantly familiar, yet unlike anything you've ever owned, this extraordinary handcrafted heirloom jewelry is famous for its incredible detail of actual textures from nature. Get 15% off your first order and feel the wonder. Use coupon code CREATIVEGENIUS at lovemorningmoon.com. I'm thinking about the person who who doesn't even believe that that's how it works, who yeah. doesn't believe that the universe loves you, who doesn't believe that the universe has your back or that you're plug- that it's inside you. Like they're, they, they have this feeling of I'm built for more. They yeah. have these intuitions. They want to paint. They want to write. They want whatever it is that they want to do. But, but they just don't believe that. Because, that, and I, this is, brings me to something I really wanted to talk to you about, which is I think a lot of the stuff that you do with your coaching work around right. changing beliefs. It is so hard to change those deeply embedded yeah. beliefs. Like if you came into yeah. this world, I mean, and I'm, I'm speaking about me right now. I came into this mm-hmm. world into a very traumatic childhood. Mm-hmm. I look around the life that I've built for myself now and I kind of can't, I sh- kind of shouldn't be here. I yeah. should probably be, you know, yeah. I don't know, by the grace of God, yeah. I ended up with the, you know, um, but so there is a part of me that actually doesn't, because I, I think about like, well, why isn't, I know what I want to do and why isn't it happening or why isn't it? Yeah. And I know I have this block and it's around this belief. So what do you do if that's your, like, that's pretty deep. That's like a I deep know. root. 
How do you get at that one? Yeah, great question. All of us come to a reckoning in our life. That's the only way I can describe it. At some point, we begin to realize instinctively life is no longer working for us. And I've worked enough mm-hmm. with humans to say confidently, every single human has come to that crossroad. It's what we do at that crossroad. And I try and normalize it as much as possible. That when they step in that space of just so much disorientation and life's not working for me and I keep trying to do the stuff that I used to do before and it's not working anymore, then I like to really show people that I believe that we're a whole person. We are, of course, a body that we're very aware of in our society, particularly North America, and particularly as women. We are all reminded that we are living in a body as women. Okay, we got that one. We, we get we it. We get it. Mind is also the other one I think we get. Heart is also another one I think that we're doing a lot better on as we talk about EQ. I believe there's a fourth component of who we are as humans, and I call it the spirit. And it's the spirit of who we are. And typically people go, huh? but then when I just start describing it in the negative point of view, because I work with a lot of at-risk children, abuse children, everything else, um, I say, have you ever seen a child with a broken spirit? And most people go, oh, yeah. That's what makes it drive it home. And I say, yeah, there's something else that transcends the mind, the body, and the heart. I don't know what to call it, but for the sake of the conversation, I call it spirit or soul. And I think as we mature and get older in life, we begin to realize there's a force out there. And as I begin to get more comfortable with just gently laying on the table, I have never had one person say, that is ridiculous. And I'm very careful that there's no religious or theological construct or any kind of proselytizing I'm doing. There's nothing I'm trying to win them over for. It's it's a gentle truth acknowledgement that says, hey, have you thought about this? And now I'm very comfortable talking about it. I don't just put it out there. I just let it be in that really sacred space of when everything feels like it's not working. I say, we thought more about this force out there. And even I've, I've even talked about it using Star Wars, you know, the, the force for good and the force for evil. And I'm like, we see it. We know it. This is what's yeah. affecting our spirit. And when I do the way I access people's spirit, this is a great example. I did a keynote a couple months ago and it was all of these nonprofits. There's about 60 nonprofits in the room and they were all working for child abuse nonprofit agencies and at risk and foster care and adoption. So a really cool select group of people that are just like on the front lines, our unsung heroes. And I know the burnout rate is high. I just said, hey, everybody, we're going to take a couple of minutes. I'm going to ask everybody what you're inviting in. And then we're going to talk about what you're rejecting. So I just had them write down in the room because I wanted them to, to see each other and know. And then I had them just yell it out. And I'm telling you, I still get chills every time I talk about it. They're like, freedom hope. Wait, we want to invite in love, comfort, kindness. This wasn't a religious space. You know what I mean? What are they speaking to? Mm. They're speaking to a spirit and they're trying to grab onto something beyond themselves. Mm. Hope is transcendent to the human person. How do we describe it? Mind, body, heart. We don't really describe it. You talk of the spirit, there's a whole other conversation that we are instinctively having. Let it be had and respect the fact that it's going to look unique for everybody else. Nothing needs to be attached to it. Then I said, okay, what are we standing against? What are we rejecting? And they're like, despair, scarcity, hate, defensiveness. And again, I just get the chills talking about it because I just said, this is, this is who we are. 
in this room. This is who you get to know each other to be. You get to stand in that space and just saying it out loud, you get to hear the spirit in this room. And now your best self or your best spirit is connecting to the spirit next to you. These people you don't even know. I said, now trade business cards. And when you're having that really crappy day or you've had super hard conversations with five abuse cases that you're thinking, I don't get paid enough for this and this might derail me and I don't know how to let this go. You go call two or three of your buddies here because they're in the same game and they're going to know how to stand with you and they're going to know also to what to help you reject. So now what are we speaking to? We're speaking to the spirit of humanity, which is that conversational space that I don't think we're good at yet in America. I think we can get better at it. I want to be that voice that just normalizes it and just lets people experience it for themselves. Oh, all of a sudden my hope meter was on zero, which who assesses their hope meter? None of us do. We're just trying to get white knuckle it through life. But I'm teaching them to start making this assessment of, well, how does that make you feel? Did it make you feel more energized? When you walked away from that conversation, did you feel more energized or did you feel more drained? That's really a spiritual question. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying this is a spiritual question. I'm letting them start to access their inner wisdom, their inner intuition. And then I help them get concrete. I have recognized when I sit down with someone, and I don't care how amazing this conversation is or this person is, when it goes past that hour and a half mark, I can feel myself getting drained. And at first I was confused. All it is is my introvert side. My introvert is, is on overload. And now I'm like, I've taken it all I can take. There's nothing more I can take in. I'm overly saturated, overly stimulated. Maybe a little bit of my sensitivity side too. So that's once I know that about myself, yeah, I set my meetings up. And then I also have to be very strategic. I can only do one a couple times a week because my coaching and the work that I do is a lot connected. These are things that we start learning about our spirit. So when I say, hey, how's your, how's, how's that energize you? How did that make you feel? These are questions that as I'm working with people, I'm coaching them, I'm getting them to kind of raise that antenna or that, that space or their spirit that is probably atrophied because we don't have a conversation around it. I would venture to say and really hypothesize that how much of our depression and anxiety is around the fact that we don't know how to ask this question. And then we go take this, I'm feeling really bad. Well, our wonderful doctors and our scientists are doing their best to access it. But I don't think it's a mind and body issue as much as it might be a spirit issue. I feel like that is like when I have the image of humanity glitching mm-hmm. and I'm talking about depression and overconsumption and just what we're creating in the world right now. And I say that it's because we've become disconnected from creativity. I think that's synonymous for, yes. you know, spirit or what you're, yes. it's that soft, quiet voice yes. that and it's about what you were saying with your painting. It can, yeah. that can speak to you, but it doesn't speak to you through words. Yes. It can't. It doesn't actually have language. Yeah. It doesn't. So it will speak to you with dudges and gut feelings yes. and yeses and noes. And like, I don't want to be faculty anymore. I want to teach piano. Yeah. Like that feels good. And, and I was very lucky. And I think that this is, um, it's a little bit of a strange thing to say when there's a lot of childhood trauma or chaos or mm-hmm. violence or whatever in your, in your childhood. There, a lot of us tend to develop this deep connection with this spirit part of ourselves yeah. because it's our refuge, yeah. right? And so I've always had this 
beautifully deep connected. Like it speaks mm. and I'm like, I heard you, I'm going yeah. like, pretty much like a lot. My intuition is mm. really good. I can, you know, um, but I realize that we don't, we don't all have that and we do need that. And because my perspective is so connected to my intuition, it's hard for me to imagine somebody who doesn't have a mm. deep connection to that soft, quiet voice. When you're working with people and you're trying to kind of point them mm-hmm. to that part of themselves, what are your kind of top three pointers for them to get to know that aspect of themselves so that they could realize, yeah. oh my God, this thing has been in me all along. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh gosh, I love that you asked that. What I have found that is the most non-threatening connection to assess the state of your spirit is a story. And so it's what I use this allegory I use in my chapter book as I introduce the clarity and the confidence and the courage, but it's a very simple story of this little girl who loves playing outside and she's alive and she's free and someone gives her this beautiful bracelet and she loves this bracelet. It makes her feel valuable and cherished and she's got this beautiful giver in her life. As she gets older, she gets more and more givers and more and more bracelets and she stops doing what she loves, which is running outdoors to go on her tire swing. And then she stops spending time under the stars and living in nature. Her spirit begins to disappear. She begins to disappear and she starts doing everything she needs to do to balance these bracelets that are going all the way up to her shoulders and making sure that that's her focus and her energy is being spent on those bracelets. Now, the challenge of this, and this is the adulting, bracelets are neither good or bad. You know, when we choose responsibilities like jobs and families and commitments and, and, and uh, kids and friendships, when we are choosing some of these responsibilities, that's a bracelet. What we have to do is start recognizing, am I managing the right amount of bracelets? And are these the right bracelets I want on? And do I need help taking some of those off? And when's the last time I visited my tire swing? And by the way, what is my tire swing? And it's when she spent time under the stars that she heard a voice on the wind that said, take off your bracelets. It's not who you really are. So what this then is, is allegories trying to get people to recognize there's bracelets here. We have the choice to put them on or off. There's a tire swing that everybody has and it's waiting for them and making them come alive. And I'm telling you, I've heard so many different types of tire swings and it's awesome. And then there's the time on the stars that we need to really hear that voice in the wind or inner, our inner wisdom or God or that, you know, universe, whatever it is that is pulling at us that says, I think I'm made for more. And tire swinging under the stars presents two forms of restorative rest, which is what our spirit needs. The tire swing is an active rest, painting, hiking, gardening, doing something you love. The star time is a form of contemplative rest, which is journaling, staring at the stars, literally staring at the stars. Whatever it is that you need to do to just decompress, the spirit, the human spirit needs these two things. And I didn't realize I had to describe that or explain it until I spoke at an event. And there was probably like 300 people in the room. And literally, I was talking about rest. And this woman raised her hand and interrupted me. I've never been interrupted at a keynote. And I'm like, well, now I'm curious. So I'm like, yes. And she goes, what do you mean by rest? And I talk about it in my book. And that was years ago. But the fact she asked me that really hit me that in North America, we really have not defined rest well. And when I say Mm -hmm. rest, they're like, people think, oh yeah, I get my eight hours of sleep. Like they drink their gallon of water a day. There's this like checklist. 
I would go, oh no, it's much, the human, the human person is so multifaceted and so complex. It's not just about getting sleep. It's about really looking at what's the state of your spirit. And even as I ask you that question, you can feel that that's such a foreign question that we ask. Mm-hmm. And it can be also very scary and vulnerable. So I want to respect it. So that's why I use the allegory. And now I have clients still jump on the line. They're like, hey, Heath, I need help with my tire swing today. I think I've got too many bracelets on. What they're doing is having a spirit-related conversation. And is their body and mind and heart involved? Of course it is. But now we have that fourth component that's joining the conversation and letting them assess things in a really non-threatening way, but more importantly, in the way that's right for them. And I'll say, I don't know. Let's talk about what is your tire swing? I don't know. When's the last time you felt at peace? When's the last time you felt like you weren't striving? When's the last, these are questions I ask. When's the last time you had the most energy? When's the last time you felt like uh, you were exhaling? And then they begin to describe what it was. And if they really can't remember it, they've just been so disassociated from their sense of self for so long, I'll take them back to their childhood. The tire Mm -hmm. swing, you know, the little girl in the tire swing. So we get there eventually, but it takes work. And as their guide, all I'm doing is helping them go inward to access their inner clarity, confidence, and courage, and giving them that permission and that respect that they have it within them. But no one's asking them the questions and helping them access it. I love that. I want to ask you, I ask this question in every interview, and it's, I call it the billboard question. Because there, you know, mm-hmm. there are more people that you're not going to get to work with than you are going to get to work yeah. with in this lifetime. So if you had a magical billboard that you could reach the hearts of all of these people out there who know that they are made for more, not sure what, not sure how, not sure mm-hmm. if they're even good enough or if it's really true, but they would read these words from you and they would land in their heart. They would really hear you. Their spirit mm-hmm. would hear you and begin to wake up. What would you put on that billboard? I think I would call them into the action, into their sense of self, something like believe in who you are and what you have to offer is deeply wanted by this world. Thank you. Mm. I love that. I want to tell you, I have this beautiful little heart-shaped bowl carved out of wood. And I I have one of those too. Yeah. (laughs) I put my angel cards in it and uh, I pull a card, you know, before I I start every interview, I say a little prayer that goes a little bit like, help me Mm. say the thing that needs to be said so that what needs to be heard by my guest mm-hmm. and by the listener and even by me can be heard and said mm-hmm. for the highest good of, of as many possible people. Yeah. And then I pull a little word out of the, out of the bowl. And the word that I pulled for our conversation was expectancy, um. which I just thought was really, I, at first I was like, I got mm-hmm. first thing I thought was pregnant, right? Like you think of expecting, um, but she's opening, it's an angel and she's opening a gift mm. box, like a gift wrapped box. Wow. And through our conversation that we had today, yeah. kind of what the way that made sense for me was just around like, it's okay to expect mm-hmm. that the universe mm-hmm. loves you and has your back and that you do have this thing inside yeah. of you. But I want, I want to just check in with you to see like, what is that? I just love How that. How does that land for you? Yes. I'm mm-hmm. so in sync with you. And I would say the space within you is wanted by this world. And I think that expectancy 
is this sense of abundance, abundant thinking. And we've heard this a lot, but it's this awareness that whatever creativity is coming out of me, whether it's a new company venture or a painting or a book or anything, and I have a lot of creative projects I do, I too have to battle with that sense of, is this really wanted? And is this, is this just wasting my time? I think we're all haunted by that. And I think I want to normalize that. And I think this syncs up with your expectancy. Not only do you get to expect to create, but I want to even take it one higher and say, you get to expect that it is not only needed and wanted, but it is desperately. There is a, there is a space for you that only you can fill in this world. It might hit one person. It might have a ripple effect. It might hit thousands. We never know. We never know. But that's the faith that I try and reach for in those days when I go, is anybody listening to me? Am I wasting my voice, my time? I had zero book sales this week. Is this even a book worth writing? You know, these are all questions I'm haunted with. And to be able to say, it gets to be whatever it is. And I am not focusing on the numbers, but I get to just keep living in that true belief that who I am and how I'm made is, is desperately needed. So as I continue to grow who I am and become more and more self-aware of my potential, I get to trust this not just serving me and me being more fulfilled and happy. I get to trust that it, it's going to be a ripple effect that's going to serve the world because I truly believe we're all connected. I, I a hundred percent feel that. I a hundred percent feel that. And I love that we're having this conversation out loud because I mm. think for so long, um, oh, sorry, just one moment. I have, I have another interview and she's early. Eh, sorry. I feel like for so long, we've known that, like, mm-hmm. I think you've alluded to that a few times here. Like there's this knowing that we have, but we're not having the mm-hmm. conversation out loud. So we kind of just like sit with mm-hmm. this feeling of like, I feel like I have this other aspect of mm-hmm. me that's not being heard. And, mm-hmm. and so, and I feel like I've met like a sister or like yeah. a person on my squad or yeah. like, I just want to just like say that to you, Thank you Kate. what an honor it is to connect with you and, and share this, this, this calling, I feel like it's a calling that we've both had yeah. to to have this conversation out loud and to serve that in mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And I want to stay connected to you. I really, I feel, I feel a real kinship with you, and oh. I really appreciated this time with you. I do too, Kate. Thank you so much. Yeah. When we get off this uh, podcast, I'll give you all my private stuff so you can text me personally okay. and everything else. I'd love to stay in yeah, touch. I would <laughs> totally would love to stay in touch with you. Before we do that, before we okay. go. Uh, how how can people find out? Like, I'm yeah. already like, oh my God, I would love to work with this woman. She's my mate. Oh, yes. So you're listening to this and you want to work with Heather, please um, listen to what she's about to say because she's about to tell you exactly where to go yeah. to find all that information. I have um, a large clientele now that I work with. So I only take a small amount of people that I work with personally. And I think that was the reason I started writing this book. I wanted to help put it out there. I would say the best best way to really get a hold of what I'm doing is go on my Oops, website. We're glitched. Are you still there? Yeah, are you here? Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm here. The best way to really find out who I am, start with my website, heatherpenny.com. You'll get tons of free stuff. I give away 
blogs every week. Sign up for my weekly blog. I'll be telling you everything I'm doing. I've got a new book coming out where I'm going to be speaking next. Um, coaching groups I'm going to be starting with other people that I'm coming across that are like-minded that I'm going to do personal invitations to. All these different things um, are, are probably the, the weekly blog or the weekly newsletter is going to help you stay connected with me in that. And then if you're ready to jump in today, but you're not able to get a hold of me and I'm not taking on clients right now yet, I'll be taking on some more in a little bit. You can start immediately with my book. And then what I did is I also created a coaching companion. I'll hold it up for those who might be seeing. But the book, and it's, it's nice and lengthy. So it's going to feel like a nice, if you give yourself a good cup, about three months to read this, do a chapter a week. It's set up to be that way. And it's got a little um, coaching companion, like a workbook that goes with it. That would be a good place to start. And I also am selling an e-course that goes with it. So you get me on a video like five minutes with every week. Do it with a friend. Do it with someone else that is really wanting to have this conversation. I'm setting it up for you guys to have the personal empowerment to step into that space. And then come find me where I'm speaking because I'm doing more and more keynotes and workshops and conferences. And I would love to meet you guys. If, if you listen to this podcast, come up and say, hey, I, I heard you on Kate Shepard's podcast. Just introduce yourself to me. I would love to give you a hug and just say thanks for coming. Oh, I want to give you a hug too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Kate. Thanks for giving me the opportunity of just talking with your audience and just sharing my heart. Oh, it's a joy for all of us. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care, everyone. You can find links to Heather and her work, including her book, The Life You're Made For, on katesheppardcreative.com. Under episodes, you'll find Heather's show notes page. Connecting with this soft, quiet voice inside can guide us to the life that we were meant for. I also want to remind you of my invitation to join us in activating your intuition and creativity workshop. It's an online virtual workshop that I hold every month. We're working to connect with that soft, quiet voice inside of ourselves, learning how to hear what it says, how to understand what it's trying to express through us, and learning how to trust it and let it out. Everything that you need to know about it is on katesheppardcreative.com under work with me. I love how Heather closed out this show. What we have inside of us is not only wanted, but desperately needed by the world. We don't get to know who or how many people our work will affect, but there absolutely is a ripple effect. What might be available to us if we were to trust that we really are all connected? And that what is inside of us is desperately needed by everything and everybody else in the rest of the world. Trust in that ripple effect and create from there. Make sure you're signed up for my newsletter. I pick a random person from my email list once every month and send them an original piece of my artwork. It's one of my favorite things to do. It takes a lot to put together the show please consider supporting me to do it. You can visit patreon.com slash Podcast to find out more. And please keep my jewelry or paintings and especially gratitude birds, which keep selling out, in mind next time you're looking for a treat for yourself or for a loved one. You can find everything I've mentioned on katesheppardcreative.com. Thank you for being here, for opening your heart and for listening. My wish and intention for this show 
is that it reach into your heart and stir the beautiful thing that lives in there. May you find and unleash your creative genius.